everybody. Welcome to the fifth episode of Square Triangle. I had to remember the name for a sec. I was like, <laughs> Square Circle? No, that's not it. That's a, that's a different thing. Square Triangle. Those are the three of us talk about our, uh, the latest pay-per-view. Um, today, we are talking about Double or Nothing. And what a show it was. I liked it. I think in typical AEW fashion, it like peters out in the middle a little bit. And then by the end, it goes, it goes back up. Yeah, this is definitely like a horseshoe-shaped pay-per-view yeah. in terms of quality. And I think I know what killed the middle of this pay-per-view, but we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, there was a pre-show. I did not watch the pre-show. I think it was the uh, three-man tag match. It was Jeff Hardy. Uh, it was a Hardy's and uh, Hook uh, versus... Yeah, Ethan Page and... Ethan Page and... Wow, my mind's blanking. Uh, yeah. Two other guys. The Ethan Page and the guns, I believe. Yeah, all the I, guns. That's all I know is uh, Jeff Hardy busted his ass, and that's the clip that's been going around. <laughs> and it looked on. like he like twisted his knee before he did it. It, as looked well, the so. it looked like the move before it. He like either twisted his ankle or twisted his knee, and then he tried to go right to the rope, and it's just he just ate oh shit. man, I'm like this guy cannot catch a fucking break. No, <laughs> and then like every and then everybody online was like, yeah, maybe it's just time for Jeff I think to it's retire. Time to quit Jeff. <laughs> like, I yeah, think, and kind of agree. It's time for both of the Hardys to kind of hang it up. They've been. Like, even if Matt can go, I don't need another Chris Jericho in my life. I like him as the mentor to Private Party, to Hook. Like, yeah. And we'll get as into we'll get into that too with the main event because we saw a lot of that storytelling finally like coming out with like the mentorship roles and everything. Um, we're gonna start with what is probably my favorite match of the night until the main until the two main events, which is the. International title battle royale, the blackjack before, battle royale. So before we get to that, I have a rant, and okay. I'm, I'm it, it, this is WWE does this too, and it pisses me off when they have a double main event. It's stupid. I don't remember who won the <laughs> fatal four way. I remember what happened in the in the anarchy in the arena though. Yeah, the uh, fatal four way was That's won not how by. Main events work. Yeah, the main event was the fatal four way was MJF, and it was a great match and a great finish, and we'll get to it. We'll get uh, to it. It was a it was a good match. Just and, the main event. Yeah, is the main event. Just call it. Just pick out a thing and call it the main event. You don't have to call yes. the title the main event. You don't just pick a match and call it the main event. That's all you have to do. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. I get mad at WWE when they do it. I get mad at AEW. I am I am impartial. It's stupid. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Sorry. Uh, we had the international title uh, being defended in a blackjack battle royale, which it's blackjack because there's 21 competitors, Orange Cassidy and 20 other guys, according to him. And this was a fun match. There were, this was just your standard battle royale where like kind of everybody got a little bit of a chance to shine. And what's his, what's his name? Bandito's like walk on the ropes to flip or commander. Yeah, uh, commander did his usual shit. Uh, what got me in this match was... Uh, Big Bill, formerly known as Big Cass, was actually allowed to be portrayed as like a monster in this. And I'm wondering if this is like a going to be a thing going forward where he's going to be getting more screen time. I honestly wish they just did that with him from the from pretty much the beginning, though. Like Big, I mean, Big Bill is just like a really monstrous looking dude. They should have just supposed to be such. I think the problem is they also have like Satnam Singh, who is who like dwar yeah. who makes him look like a, a chump. Yeah. Um, so they, they're like, we can only have one monster, guys. We've seen him wrestle on Dark, you know, mm -hmm. back when Dark was a thing. 
before yeah. it recently got canceled. So I don't know what they're R. doing R. with Satnam Singh other than just him being a heavy. Well, all those guys now have time to be on Ring of Honor. So it's like, why do we need this other YouTube show? Well, now they're going to be on, what the hell is the Saturday show going to be called? Collision. Oh, Collision, yeah. Like, congrats. You have, your, you have your roster on four different shows now. Let's go. Like, <laughs> now actually use them. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Not everybody should have more screen time to be used now, at least in some and, kind of feud. And on top of that, I wouldn't mind them doing like a soft brand split, you know, to like keep some people exclusive to Dynamite and some to Collision, but like, you know, have some crossover every now and then, but not yeah. do it like WWE does it, where it's like, oh, we're just going to do a hard draft and then have like everybody show back up the next week on the other show. Yeah. Or you're a free agent and you're, last week. Or you're a free agent and you're going to show up on NXT because we're not going to put you anywhere else. <laughs> oh god was it both Ali yeah. and Baron Corbin showed up on NXT this week yeah so, I saw that um, but wow. yeah this battle royale match uh, I made some notes here kind of going through some of my favorite spots and everything but I do want to start that the number of people on commentary uh, JR was not good in this match I don't think JR can call matches with like this much chaos in it I think he's good for like the 1v1s or the tag team matches, but like a battle royale match, JR just cannot keep up with everybody else's energy here. Yeah, JR is not an announcer that we knew during the Attitude Era anymore. You know, I've just kind of slowly come to accept that since he's been on AEW the last four years or so. Um, he is what he is at this point. All right. I wrote about it earlier. Like, I mean, good on Tony Khan to keep giving Jim Ross a paycheck, but like, Jim Ross, please retire. Yeah, I love you, but please retire. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of run through a list here of my favorite spots, and I'll see if you guys kind of have them matched up to stuff that you liked in this match. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if these are in any, any particular order, but I liked Swerve not getting into the ring for the first like 15 yeah. minutes, which was a really good like heel decision. And then he just ended up being like one of the last two. Yeah. Uh, Brian Cage was allowed to be shown as the monster that he is. I mean, he, he was carrying somebody and caught the Hurricane Rana and did the double slam. Which I thought was yeah. a really cool spot because, I mean, the man didn't move when that guy landed on him. Uh, Commander getting yeeted out of the ring was a really fun spot, too. Well, Commander also running the ropes and like jumping over was also a good yeah. too. Commander just doing Commander things. Yeah, <laughs> and I liked how they used that. Um, I liked how they used that battle royal to continue the feud between Keith Lee and Swerve. You know, yeah. having them doing a little bit of stuff and going back and forth. Mm -hmm. The chops, the chops. I, the chops on this pay per view. I think were helped by the fact that this was a dead crowd. We'll get into that cr the crowd as this pay per view <sighs> goes on. But like these chops sounded loud because I don't think there was any like noise coming out of this Las Vegas crowd at all. I, and that's another thing we talked about on uh, Backlash. That crowd was a on crowd fire. makes or breaks a show. Yeah, and uh, Backlash really kind of set the stand uh, set the standard for crowds this year, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, uh, hey, you hey, don't have to be as step your shit up, yeah. <laughs> right? Because you don't have to be as wild as the Puerto Rican crowd, but that crowd was just amazing. At least gets at least give some um, some kind of energy to it. I really think they need to move double or nothing somewhere else next year, like maybe Atlantic City or whatnot. Because uh, if it's going to be like this every year, I'm pretty much not going to be invested. Yeah, the crowd, it was hard to watch a few of these matches because I was like, man, the crowd's just not into this. And it's just like, I feel like it affected the match quality to a degree too, because it's like, 
oh cool i liked this spot but like the crowd just had no reaction to it and it's like it just makes or breaks the show yeah um it's tragic yeah yeah going these people are like fighting their hearts out yeah and i mean we're going through this battle royale i mean people are they're doing all like a bunch of cool things all the luchadors at one point were just helping each other and like hanging out in the middle of the ring uh yeah dusty like wasn't there like some delayed suplex spot where like Bandito had somebody up and then like all the rest of the Luchadors yeah, they were, were fighting they, everybody off? Yeah, they were protecting him while he had somebody yeah. in a suspension. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was like, really cool. All the Luchadors were like teaming up with each other. Uh, you had Dustin Rhodes. Racist, pretty cool. You had Dustin Rhodes hitting, uh, admittedly, probably one of the worst crossroads I've ever seen on Brian Cage. And I just don't know if that's because Brian Cage doesn't know how to move with that spot. I'm almost certain he's taken a crossroads at some point when Cody was in AEW. He might have done it once, but like I just I don't know if it was just Dustin like it was just Dustin not doing it right or just Cage not having the same like speed on it. But yeah, it, it, it looked, looked bad. <laughs> it, it, looked, it was a bad crossroads. Ugly. Uh, yeah. I made a note here that for most of this match, Jay White and Juice Robinson weren't given a lot of screen time. Uh, in this battle royale, they. Kind of just felt like they were in the ring for most of they this until they got to, a, to the side, get whooped on, and then eventually they got eliminated, and that was kind of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing we saw uh, was the Jay White, Ricky Starks, and Pentagon kind of like three, like triple threat going at it with each other, mm-hmm. which was a really cool segment in here, too. Uh, I made a note that Ricky Starks nails a, he just hits a great spear whenever he does one. He has a really uh, good spear. He spears. I like to extend his arm outward and then he just kind of brings him in. Like he just makes it look really that tough snap, looking. That's snap. Yeah. Uh, he hits a great spear and then eliminates uh Jay white, but then he gets jumped by uh juice and Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, may note here. How, why is big bill lasting this long? And it's just something that was like, seems odd for this guy to just be given like this much dominance in this match. And he eventually goes on to be one of the final four. So I'm guessing they have a plan for him moving forward. Uh, I mean, this was, and then Swerve gets in, and we have just some great spots with Swerve. We have a great final four with Pentagon, uh, Orange Cassidy, Big Bill, and Swerve as the final four. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole little like back and forth between Big Bill and Swerve trying to see who eliminates, like whoever eliminates who. And what do you do? You guys think of any spots in this that you liked? I think one of my favorite ones was also Trent taking the bullet for Orange Cassidy. That was one of my favorites. Like, that happened twice, didn't it? Because that wasn't just it Trent. was the elim- it was it was Trent with the elimination. Uh, okay. He pushed uh, Orange Cassidy out of the way of the big boot and took the hit to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good spot. Uh, it just shows that you know it just really shows how how much Trent cares for Orange Cassidy and then being champion. You know, sacrificing himself for the um for his friend. I loved it. And yeah. another thing you can do with it at some point is like, uh, if Orange for some reason ever turns heel, he could be like, "I've been using you guys the whole time. You got eliminated for me. I don't give a shit." Yeah. Uh, the final two being Swerve and Orange Cassidy got me really interested because there was a moment where I thought they were going to put the belt on Swerve. So did I. I was like, I'm like, moment. I'm like, they're doing it. They're going to put the belt on Swerve and strap a rocket to this guy. And I thought for the, I, I really thought that was going to be the outcome of that match because uh 
then the way they were going back and forth, it just made you feel like, oh, this is Swerve's night right here. Also, they have some really good chemistry in the ring, so I would love to see I a one on one between them two. I pointed out, it's like, point. I pointed out, I need this feud because yeah. these guys, Orange Cassidy, I think just Orange Cassidy can have good chemistry with a lot of wrestlers. Like, I think he's just that good of a wrestler. There are wrestlers out there who have like unique, we'll, we'll call it unique wrestling styles that don't mesh well, except for like with four people on the planet Earth. And then there's Orange Cassidy, whose unique wrestling style actually meshes with quite a few people. Yeah. And yeah, this whole back and forth with Swerve and Orange Cassidy getting outside the ring, you know, all the back and forth to a really good finish of faking the punch only to stop, walk and kick Swerve's hand off of the rope. And Swerve did the most cartoon ass fall I have ever seen in my life. It was like there was a delay. He did like the like trying to grab the ropes as he, <laughs> he fell, fell off the side, and I'm like, how the fuck can he fall like that? <laughs> like you gotta have the sitcom, the the, the like high pitched squeal. It was like you a moment. Just... Swerve like he was delayed like falling, and he was doing like trying to grab the ropes, and I'm like, how did he? How did he have the mindset to do that? You could have just added cartoon sound effects right there, and it would be mm-hmm. even funnier. Well, you way so far back. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, I want to see this become a program after the whole Swerve Keith Lee feud, wherever that goes, finishes. I want to see Swerve and Orange Cassidy, and I would love to see the title being handed off to Swerve. I just think Keith these Lee two could be great. Kills, uh... Keith Lee kills uh, Swerve's faction again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we Orange Cassidy retains the title. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he is the workhorse champion right now for AEW. It's ridiculous. Which is weird because like he doesn't seem like that much of a workhorse. He goes in and like barely kicks people, but then you actually like realize, oh, he's defending his belt like every fucking week. Yeah. yeah. It's ironic because, you know, he's supposed to have the, you know, the aloof slacker gimmick, and yet he winds up being the workhorse guy in the company. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, I just think, like, that's a weird, it's a fun circumstance to have, you know, with Orange Cassidy. Then we get to our next match, which I think is where the crowd is killed early in the night. Because this unsanctioned match with Jericho and Adam Cole, while good in the ring, has a really weird finish that I don't think hit the mark. The ref stoppage because Jericho can't fight back, I think, is what killed the crowd's energy going forward for the next few matches. Anytime you have a non-definitive finish, you have to be ready for the crowd to just, like, sink. Yeah, I... Anytime someone just, like, is ref stopped, that's going to be bad because they're going to be like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, um, and unless unless you're doing an angle where like, oh, like Jericho gets carted off, like you know, if you do that, then yeah, sure, go for it. Yeah, like, if Jericho was carried out at the end of this match, I think it would have worked better. But he wasn't. He got carried to the back. Mm-hmm. Like, it um, almost kind of makes it almost kind of makes me wonder if that was the plan finish or were they trying to do something else? But well, Jericho was busted open. That. Like his eye was definitely like cut and bleeding during the match. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that would be enough to end the match like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of going from the start here, Judas being sung by the crowd will never get old to me. 
However, I think Sabu did get very old because he's only in this match for a minute and a half. Like <laughs> he was in this match long enough just to get like one table spot, and that's it. He and threw he a chair. He threw a chair at Angelo Parker. Uh, did the chair duel with Jericho, and then went through a table within the first five minutes. And then he fights Daniel Garcia into the back, and is never seen again. This match. So he was. It's weird because he was supposed to be like the re, the enforcer. He was yeah, a special enforcer, but everybody enforcer. at ringside fought to the back, and there was no reason to have an enforcer. Like, that makes sense, but like. Mm. Samu was just there to get a table spot. That was about it. He was there. Like, he got paid. Uh, some, of, not saying anything. some of the cool spots in this match, you have Jericho suplexing Adam Cole off of the ring. Uh, doing it very safely, too. Like, kind of just falling over with his knees bent so there's not that much height to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jericho going headfirst into the chair in the corner. You have the fire extinguisher spot. The fire I mean, spot was pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, this is your general. This is your kind of your generic unsanctioned match. It's not the best unsanctioned match I've ever watched. It's probably nowhere near, you know, Gargano Champa. That's a very hard. Bar, that's a very high bar to set. It is a very high. That is the highest bar of uh, unsanctioned match, probably next to Moxley Omega. Yeah, well, Brett like, Baker coming down at one point and just beating the shit out of Jericho with a kendo stick. And then Wagami was Soraya showing was up. Eight. Hmm? Well, so they like, then they did the backstage. Di- they did the backstage promo where Jericho and Soraya challenged Adam Cole and Britt Baker to a mixed tag match. And I'm like, is are we just like going to don't merge the feuds now? Is that what's going to happen here? Outcast, is it going to be Outcast and <clears throat> Chris Jericho? Is the Jericho Appreciation Society done? Mm-hmm. So, uh. They do. They eventually get cuffed together, so it becomes a chain match. And instead of going for the pin, he just beats the shit out of Jericho, and the ref stops the match. And even I hated that. <laughs> I was like, like I said, if Jericho, like, if they did the whole X thing, call if they, like, if they call called the doctor, if they call, if they had the medical carry out, like on a stretcher, it was like, oh, definitive. Like Jericho is done. You know, like. That would like, make more yeah, sense, but this was just like him. this was just like no, nope, no, nope, he can't, he can't do it anymore. It's like mm-hmm. so a weird finish, and I think the match is this match is probably one of the weakest of the pay per view. Um, it definitely didn't get the crowd going. It definitely probably killed the momentum after that battle royale pretty early in the night, and I think yeah. a few of the next matches uh, suffer because of that. Uh, Adam Cole picks up the win over Chris Jericho. This next match is probably my least favorite FTR match recently because I think I'm just tired of Jeff Jarrett. Like, I'm tired of no, this feud. I, I literally had no interest in this match whatsoever, you know, I, because it is it's primarily because of Jeff Jarrett, okay? Yeah. I think he's just at this point. I just think don't see a point in just him being on the roster right now. Uh, yeah, I get it. You know, it gives Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt stuff to do, but I just don't see the point of Jarrett just being here. Okay. He's just, uh, I, I don't know. He's done really nothing, you yeah. know, special in this yeah. run. This match, while in itself wasn't bad, like X, I just didn't care for this. I, I don't care about this feud with Jarrett and FTR anymore. 
there were some good spots in this match, and we'll get to one of them. Because I think it was something that AEW doesn't do often, and that was Aubrey getting nailed by a move. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Karen Jarrett, Karen Jarrett nails Black. Ref Aubrey with the guitar. Mm-hmm. This was after Mark also got nailed with the guitar in the ring. And I like it. I, I like it. Like, I yeah. support women's wrongs. <laughs> I mean, like, that, that was that was interesting. But beyond that, I, I just I wasn't invested in it. You yeah. know, I think there's something to be said about this match being maybe a little overbooked. I put that as my final note on this match here. This match might be overbooked. Yeah. Textbook Jeff Jarrett stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's my exact Jeff, note here. This match might be overbooked. <laughs> like, Jeff Jarrett is very meticulous about how he wants a match to be set up because you've, you've heard him on podcasts. Like, he wants this to happen, this to happen, this to happen, and then I go here, and then we go for the finish here. Yeah, um, he's very point-by-point-by-point. You're, point point point. you're going against two of the best workers in AEW. Yeah. Like, and all you got to do is, like, call it in the ring. Like, these guys yeah. are... These guys are chill. You can just like call it in the ring. This is such a common thing with Jeff Jarrett. I mean, just go back and look at some old TNA from back in the 2000s. You see it all over the place. Like everything involving him is horribly overbooked. Okay. And it's, it's to the point where it's just comical. And this is no different. You know, I just felt like FTR, I, I feel like FTR could have just had better opponents for this pay per view. Yeah. You know, because they have a whole sure. slew of tag teams in AEW right now. I could have picked anybody and had a much better match than what I, I was going to say. You just added Aussie Open, but I remember that Mark Davis is injured. Yeah, so, unfortunately. I'm like, but I'm thinking here, I'm watching this match, and I'm also thinking, is Mark Briscoe being referee and like stopping all the shenanigans actually taking away from this match? Like, that was another yes. thing I was like, is him being like the perfect ref for this and stopping all the hijinks? Is it. Make this match is becoming a little boring because of it, which yeah, it gets fun after Mark is knocked the fuck out by the guitar, and then you can get all the shenanigans going on. But like, they tried to actually call this as like this match has rules and no heel shenanigans, and it just did not have any kind of like energy and, to it. And there were still heel shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, so. I did make a note here for one of my favorite moments. Uh, Jay Lethal took a chop to the chest and legitimately looked concerned for his life. <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw that. Like he hit, and I think it was Dax that like kind of just looked at him, like registering how hard he hit him. And Jay's like on the ropes, like, like <laughs> I'm like, I think this man might feel like he's dying right now. Got heartburn. He got heartburn from how hard he got. Yeah. If that was a, if that was a sell, good job on Jay for that. I think Jay was like, holy shit, man. <laughs> like, yeah, he's probably never been chopped that hard in his life. I, I so, made that a note, though. I'm like, he looks concerned for his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, FTR retains after yeah. hitting, after some back and forth stuff. I said, this is probably the weakest FTR match in a while, and I don't think it's their fault. I think it's all no, it's the not. overbooked bullshit within it. For sure. Uh, we then have... Post-match here, Ricky Starks about to be interviewed, and he's looking a little paranoid because then he does get jumped by Bullet Club Gold until FTR comes for the save, which has me interested. If we're going to probably see FTR move into a Bullet Club Gold feud or something, I could see that happening. 
I could see that okay. happening. You'll finally get Jay White and Juice Robinson on TV more. Jay White will actually probably have a real program to be in with two of the best workers in AEW. And uh, yeah, I think that would be an interesting feud to move into. Uh, the next match is when the crowd starts to come alive a little bit more. That's what happens when you put someone in a ladder match. It's a ladder it match, is right? Christian Cage and Wardlow for the TNT title. And this match was fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, I did make a note that I feel like this match should have just been a squash, but I like seeing heel Christian, mm-hmm. especially in his stupid sleeveless turtleneck, whatever the fuck he was wearing in this match. <laughs> he, he was he was sort of doing his best uh, cloud cosplay with that turtleneck. It really was. It was turtleneck. Um, early in the match, you get a really cool spot with uh, Christian drop kicking through the through the ropes while Wardlow's carrying the ladder, and then he tries to jump onto Wardlow, but he just holds the ladder up and smacks him in the face with it. Which was a really funny uh, spot for Christian to just the, get nailed as he jumps out of the ring. The spot where Arn Anderson chews off Luchasaurus's finger thumb. Yeah, I like that too. Like just the blood capsule to make it look like he just gnawed fucking Luchasaurus's uh, thumb off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luchasaurus coming out late in the match was interesting. I thought he would have been there at the start to kind of have hijinks, especially with Wardlow coming out with Arn Anderson. You, yeah, you think there'd probably and, and be another- more enforcer hijinks during the early part of the match? Yeah, and on top of that, like during the latter part of that match, Luchasaurus was featured heavily. You know, because like yeah. a good portion of that match was just Wardlow focusing in on um Luchasaurus, and it led to that uh sp- it led to that uh spot where you did the Jeff Hardy spot where Wardlow just did a swanton off the ladder yeah. and onto the table. So uh, <laughs> Wardlow I, did. I just thought, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, Wardlow did Wardlow things and swanton onto a dinosaur. And Wardlow was super fucking athletic for a big guy, man. This is wrestling. Yeah. This is where the cheers actually started coming from the crowd to a degree. I think this match is what kind of brought him back into this pay-per-view. Um, I wonder I wonder if there's something to be said about, like, they switched the positions of some of the matches on the fly. Just so they, they're like, all right, this is a spot fest. Let's get this one on so the crowd can wake up again. Yeah, I feel like if you had put, FT, if you had put this overbooked FTR match later in the night, it probably would have killed, like, all the momentum going into the main events. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think putting that on early just to get it done helped mm-hmm. and putting this match on to kind of get the crowd fired up again, especially with some of these spots, uh, definitely helped because there was a point too, uh, uh, where there was a turtleneck chant that was started, which mm-hmm. I appreciate the Vegas crowd for, um, we had Warlow jumping from the turnbuckle onto the ladder and breaking it. <laughs> Which was a really, I don't think that was intended, but it still turned out pretty well because then they both fell off the fucking ladder. They made that work. Uh, we did the slam, the missed swanton onto the ladder, which I feel Wardlow might have hit that a little too high, like probably upper shoulder blades. I think he overshot that ladder a little bit. Uh, but then we get to the usual stuff. Uh, Christian falls off, gets caught falling by Wardlow. And then power bombed, and Wardlow Into climbs up. Yeah, Wardlow climbs up, retains the TNT title in a match that makes sense. I don't think Christian winning the TNT title was going to be the end of this feud. I could see. It also doesn't do anything for Christian at this point. It doesn't. He's just that he's there. He's there to help elevate people now. Uh huh. 
But I, I do, I, I do think we're going right into a, a Wardlow Luchasaurus feud, most likely after this. Just yeah. by the way that he was, fe- just by the way Luchasaurus was featured in this, I can kind of see them going in that direction with the TNT title. Yeah, you have to give Wardlow another big guy to fight. Yeah, like that's where he does his best work when he's fighting another say, big. Yeah, he meshes really well with big people. I think, I think him and Brian Cage are like it's like one of my favorite big man matches. Yeah, um, because they 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 both run, they both like move very quickly for people of their size, and they're also very, both very explosive in their offense. Yeah, there's a very, there's very similar styles between those two, and I don't know if we got that as a match. I think we did, or did we get the? I think the, we uh, got it. We got it. Oh God! No, we got the who faced Brian Cage. That was Darby. Was, that was Darby, but no, I know we got a Brian Cage match where Brian Cage was still a little shaky with his contract status, so they're like they still yeah. had him like taking L's. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember, but it was it, I remember it not being that good. Oh, so, that was that was that was uh, Willie Mac. That's what I'm thinking of. Willie Mac, yeah. Dude, Willie Mac and Brian Cage and Lucha Underground. Yeah, that was a those great guys, match. Those guys they, have such like great chemistry. Other. People keep bringing up like all these wrestlers and everything, and I'm like, go watch Lucha Underground. You'll see matchups that you won't find anywhere else. You'll see Pentagon Junior versus Io Shirai. <laughs> like, uh, before, and, yeah. Lucha Underground's nuts. It's a crazy show. Uh, I think I think the other one uh, that I that I because they had that match on Dynamite and it was mid as hell. Um. Uh, Willie Mack and and Brian Cage. That's that's neither here nor there because neither of them are on are on right now. Yeah, I think just Lucha Underground let that was well. I mean, it was a few years back too, so they're probably yeah. a little they're probably much younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they could do that stuff a lot more often than they could now. But like I said, you know, they still have they still had good chemistry in AEW. It's just some some of the stuff on Lucha Underground you just can't replicate. Yeah. Okay. You really couldn't. That was a great series, and I miss it. I mean, that was, um, you think of a promotion that has Swerve, Sant, uh, Santos Escobar, Ricochet, the Lucha Brothers, Brian Cage, John Morrison, Jeff, uh, Jeff Cobb was there. He was, he was Matanza. And I'm like, then you have things like the Helico spot where he dives off the office into the ring. Like, it was just, it was crazy. It was a crazy promotion. I dislike on helico but that's that's a that's that's neither here or there yeah yeah he's a crazy uh, bastard though like him jumping off that office i wanted to, that spot I, wanted to bring, I wanted to bring to attention that you mentioned when you mentioned that uh, uh wardlow catches christian you didn't mention the part where arn anderson is the one that pushes christian off the ladder yeah that into right. wardlow's arms yeah yeah arn anderson was allowed to do a lot uh in this match which is fun uh I don't know. I can't remember if it was on an episode or not, but I think it was just a decision to have Arn Anderson be the enforcer here. I don't think there was like a real storyline purpose to it. I was uh, really, really hoping he would do the he'd have the Glock Pull on him. Glock. <laughs> like, Pull out the Glock. And Arn Anderson with a gun is my favorite wrestling joke from recent years. Armed Anderson. Armed Anderson. Armed Anderson. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, Wardlow wins. Still TNT. Uh, we're kind. This and was kind still. of and still. Uh, the thing with AW is that these pay per views are kind of season finales in a way. 
moving forward, we're going to see new feuds, which I'm happy about. And I'm interested to see what everybody's new feud coming out of this will be. I'm going to bet probably Luchasaurus. I mean, I guess we'll see tonight when things start. Now, on top of that, we have Collision in two weeks. So I'm pretty sure going to start building even more storylines for that show, you know, yeah. for when it eventually debuts. So we're going to see a lot coming out of AEW within the next couple of weeks. And uh, moving on to the next match here, the women's title match, which I'm confused about. Well, so to to bring everything to context, Jamie Hader was injured coming into the arena. Yeah, she's like she's legitimately hurt. Yeah, right she's now. legitimately hurt. So yeah, so that's what, that that explains the, all of the booking that happened. Yeah, yeah. It, okay, that makes a little more sense now. It was a legitimate injury because Tony Storm comes out, Jamie's music hits, Jamie doesn't appear. They're like, oh, do it again. She gets thrown out by Ruby and Soraya, and it's just beat the shit. They do a really good job protecting her arm this match. Because mm-hmm. it's her arm that's that's hurt. Yeah. Uh, they beat the shit out of her. She decides to still go through with the match. It's a very one-sided affair for the most part. Tony hits a Storm Zero, and Tony Storm is now your AEW Women's Champion again. It's giving, like, when somebody has a Money in the Bank cash-in. Yeah. Kind of uh, reminds me of that that kind of energy. I'm wondering if they're going to hope that she's healed up by All In. Maybe because her winning no, the title would be her hometown crowd. Yeah, her winning the title back in England would be probably a great moment for her. In Wembley, yeah. of all it places. just depends on the severity of the injury, though. Um, yeah. yeah, but I really do hope she is ready to go by All In because that would be a great thing for Jamie Hayter. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. I, however, am looking forward to the reign of Tony Storm. She's a great champion. Yeah. She was a great champion before Jamie. She's she knows what to do with that title. Yeah, and she's gonna get a, and she's gonna get the proper one this time. You know, there's, there's yeah, no interim attached to it anymore. No she's interim. A, she's a proper women's champion. She's a proper women's champion for once, and they're probably gonna you know give her something this time around. You know, I do feel and bad. not just have a secondary. I do feel bad that. Her first run was as interim because somebody was injured and she probably only won the title here because Jamie was injured. Oh, for sure. I'm like, yeah. Okay. If, if Tony ends up being the, our champion is injured, Tony, you're going to get the title again. Like if that's her role in the company, I can see that probably being a, a solid choice okay moving forward. That. Like, Hey, yeah, champions she... injured. We need a good champion. Put the belt on Tony storm. It'd be like Moxley get... in a way where she's reliable. We, yes. need a, we need a good champion. We don't want, and Brooke Baker doesn't want to be it. Yeah. Then we get to the trios titles, which was a open house challenge for any trios team, and the acclaimed are back. I'm happy to this see is the acclaimed again. My favorite match of the night. I did like this match, but it wasn't the most exciting one for me. It felt like it never really got started. It felt like it was always going to be building towards that big like tag team moment of like here's all the energy now here's everything going into the finish but it was just kind of like this is just a decently paced match without any real like explosive moment yeah but like i said it was still one of my favorite matches because you know you know the, the acclaimed to the acclaimed you know they were doing their usual stuff you know and this it was like a clashing of care this is like a clashing of characters between these two guys yeah you know and then uh when max caster came out I fucking love Max Caster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew he would do this, but he had that, that line about Buddy being cupped by Dominic. 
It was <laughs> fucking hilarious. I nearly spilled all of my fucking water out laughing at that. Saying Malachi Black's wearing blackface, Brody mm-hmm. King is a RuPaul reject, and then saying Buddy Murphy gets cucked by Dominic, and I'm like, I fucking love Max Caster. <laughs> that guy has no filter, and they just need to keep him without a filter. Did you guys hear the Who's Your Mommy chants in the middle of the match? I did. Yes. I did very briefly, yes. Um, There's... Uh, this, like I said, this match just never really felt like it got started for me. It was just a very slow-paced tag team match. I don't mind Billy Gunn being the one that gets pinned. I oh, think yeah, that helps I protect the acclaim mm-hmm. a bit more, and Billy Gunn has the history that he can take a pinfall by champions and not be hurt by it. He, he's a storied veteran, so I yeah. mean, yeah. It, it happened. I mean, that that's his role. It's fine. I, I think the major issue here is that there's not really any storyline to this match. This was just so a match. Like, that was just a yeah. match. So yeah, like, this is I, an open I, challenge. Yeah, I don't mind open challenges. I mind when they just kind of like pops. Like, like I, I would, I think I would have preferred an established trio to to show up here and not the ta- former tag champs and their mentor. I'm just wondering, are they waiting for a trio to get back together? Like, is that the plan here? And I'm wondering, like, if that's the case, then who? Is it Osprey and Ozzy Open? Or That's who I would take, honestly. It's like, I'm, I'm wondering who the trio that they're holding out for a title change is, because I can't think of anybody besides maybe, like, Top Flight and Action Andretti. You know, maybe slap it on the younger guys, but... Or, or the Lucha Brothers and uh, uh, Pac is Death Triangle when Pac decides he wants to come back to the U.S., yeah. You know, maybe. And well, right now, you know, Lucha Brothers are the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, but, you know, I guess as soon as you get done with those, you can probably put those three guys back together and they'll have, like, a proper feud with the House of Black. Yeah, so I'm just like, who are we, hold- who are we holding out on? Like, the House of Black are kind of treading water right now. And I'm just wondering, like, who is Tony Khan waiting for? You know? It's just, it's a weird, uh, I feel like there's, the direction is there, but it's just like, we can't do it yet. And I'm just, I just don't know who it could be. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but maybe we'll get answers soon, because Forbidden Door's right around the corner, because I think it was, that's the end of June? Yeah. And then we have the oh, build-up wow. for All In in London, which is in August, so within those next two months, I think the trio's title picture will become a lot clearer. Clearer, yeah. But for so, now, I guess... With two just, episodes guaranteed. <laughs> At yeah. least, you know, two so. episodes guaranteed. At least, yeah. So I, I guess we're just in a holding pattern with them right now. Yeah, and I mean this match uh, made them look strong. They were pretty much in control most of this match. The only time it really fell apart is when Billy Gunn got in and he was able to, you know, throw a few of them around. But for the most part, House of Black dominated the acclaim uh, throughout yeah, this makes match sense because tag team trio. Yeah. Um. Uh, House of Black retains. I'm wondering what the future is going to hold. I hope it's something great for these guys. Uh, I'm really happy to see that they're actually getting, you know, their chance as a whole faction now, especially with everything that happened last year mm-hmm. with Malachi, you know, stepping away for a little while and Buddy having to go back for visa issues. So it's good to see all of them uh, actually together again as a faction. Then we get to an interesting. Probably the most interesting moment of the night. 
And that is the T- uh, TBS title match with Jade Cargill and Taya Valkyrie. This match felt like a TV match for the most part. It wasn't However, it wasn't given a lot of time. And Jade gets hit with Road to Valhalla, kicks out, and then instantly hits Taya with Jaded and gets the pinfall win. And I think like seven minutes, seven or eight minutes. And then it's like, oh, cool. I just won. I just had a match open challenge. Who can beat me? And Chris Statlander's back. <laughs> Yay. And, and just like with Charlotte just like with Charlotte in December, I said, here comes the end of Jade's title run coming right down the aisle. What happened <laughs> is the end of Jade's title run in about two minutes after That's Chris about it. Statlander comes back. They don't even have the full match. It's Jade gets nailed with a few moves and pinned and the belt's on. Chris Statlander and I'm like this was a weird moment but yay Chris is back <laughs> like, <laughs> something I, I hope to see is that they put the TBS title uh, more of an emphasis on it on collision yeah or I guess rampage one of just um, one of the shows you know one yeah. of just have it have it nest somewhere where this is where it's mostly defended and yeah maybe every now and again it's defended on rampage or dynamite but it's mostly here on collision yeah I'm happy that the TBS title picture is actually going to have some new life in it. Uh, like I said, I don't mind Jade as a champion. I did feel like it probably ran too long, but that's you say that about Roman Reigns. But the thing is, like this one was legitimate that they wanted to put the belt on Chris Statlander, and she was constantly getting injured. Yep. So yeah. it's like, okay, let's just take this. Let's build Jade as this monster, and uh, I. I will say uh, I want to I want to give some props to Jade, Jade Cargill. She's carried that title like, on her back like the most improved, most improved. Uh, yeah, she's improved I think a lot. She is absolutely. The most improved person. That's going to be my most improved for 2023 is like Jade Cargill by far. Yes. We're like halfway through the year. Oh, she's she's going leaps and bounds, you know, in improvement. Uh, like I, I, I like that she actively seeks uh, like. The, that you can tell she's actively seeking, you know, that mentorship from the other people in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. and she's still, and, and she's pretty much open to advice, and she's been training really hard, especially with Brian Danielson, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can just kind of see it in her work now. You know, mm-hmm. she's she's constantly getting there. You know, compared to where she was a couple years ago until now, she she has improved leaps and bounds. You and know, you she's starting it, to wrestle longer matches as well, so that's helping her out as well too, getting those reps in. If you think about it, like. When we talk about like Brian Danielson and like you know John Moxley, uh, Chris Jericho, who are the you know the locker room leaders right now, who did they have to, as locker room leaders? Because they didn't really have anybody. Uh, WCW was a shit show. Um, Back in uh, you know, when they Brian were Danielson. in when they were in WWE around that time, it probably would have still been the era of uh, Undertaker kind of being the top dog mm-hmm. yep. in the locker John room. Cena. John Cena. Like, so the problem, the problem would have Triple been H. with that is by the time they got to into the positions where there are locker room leaders. Well, for Jericho, yeah, he'd have like Triple H, Undertaker, but Brian Danielson didn't have that because he got let go in like 2001 after he had a the tryout. Indies. Yeah, he had the Indies, so he had to learn real hard on the streets. And then when uh, it went to OVW or Florida Championship Wrestling, it was probably people like William Regal. And yeah, all the other uh, people in like the pre NXT so like, days. 
Moxley yeah. had William Regal. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Dusty Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes yeah. was a huge proponent for a lot of people too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good to see that those lessons from those people who are like either no longer with us or no longer with the company are still fine filtering their way up to the top and you know what's working is working and all that to say good job jade cargo and i mean jade's also probably being coached by madison rain she was brought in as the one of the women's coaches mm-hmm. you know she has oh, yeah, a right. she has a huge history in the industry too so yeah i mean you got a lot of people you have dean malenko backstage also so i mean they have legends that can have do stuff like this yeah they have ample resources and it's starting to sh- i think with some of these people it's starting to show like they're starting to get warmer in the ring um their repertoire is getting not necessarily that it's getting better but it's getting cleaner yes like i don't care if you do a million moves i want you to i want you to do six moves cleanly and that's why that's i think that's why i like daniel garcia that's a, that's a whole other thing yeah uh i like people who have a big move set that's what I think really separates WWE from a lot of other places is that the wrestlers have their signature moves, but not a lot else. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Roman Reigns, you'll he'll hit spears, he'll hit Superman punches, Samoan drops, uh, standard you know chops and punches. But he doesn't really do anything that's like, oh, I've never seen Roman do that before. You know, like. But then you can come to T- uh, Impact Wrestling or AW, and it's like. Whoa, Moxie's doing like weird submission holds. I've never seen him do as Dean Ambrose. It's it's that energy of like seeing Hogan do a drop kick in Japan and like shitting yourself. Yeah, it's like people go to Japan and they oh, unlock to a new level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on top of that, Hogan had a different finisher in Japan where he just pretty much uses like a uh, like a clothesline or something. But they called them they called it the right. he called it the axe bomber or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> he was also yeah. a heel over there. It's like yeah. yeah. So it's a, I think having that creativity in your move set, that, you know, knowledge of different wrestling moves, it definitely helps to make a match feel a little different when you need it to. Because like, oh, if you're used to just being a striker or something, and then you have a perfect feud for it's like, oh, look, I'm going to be Matt wrestling now, or I'm going to take on a Lucha Libre style. You know, it's definitely something that can keep adding to feuds and matches that level of creativity because you know a bunch of things rather than I know how to do five or six things really well. Yeah, and it's just really and it really goes to show you just how much versatility some of these guys have too. You know, with Moxley doing his submission holds and you know, you got you, even with Mercedes Monet, you know, her wrestling that style in Japan that she's wrestling now, you know, where she's striking a lot more. I mean, it's just interesting to see like the ex-WWE guys just branch out to other companies and just start either picking up the stuff that they were doing before or just learning new things and just incorporating it into this style. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think the biggest takeaway here is that, Hey, they know how to do those moves. They are told not to do them. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. I think you that's know, a shame. You know, they, got, they have to adhere to the WWE style. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to the first of two main events. I'm having a really hard time deciding whether or not Anarchy in the Arena or this Fatal Four Way was my favorite match of the night. I think I'm leaning towards. I I think I I'm leaning towards, towards this Anarchy. Fatal Four Way though. I'm leaning towards Anarchy, and we'll get into that here in a bit. I'm gonna lean towards Anarchy as well. That was my absolute favorite, you know, because uh, <laughs> Jesus. We'll this match that. had a lot going for me though. Uh, we come in. 
Uh, Sammy and Tay announced they're having a baby, which accounts for Tay probably not being on TV for the last few weeks. Yep. Uh, Darby has a great entrance video where he murders somebody in an MJF mask and then has an Elvis impersonator help him hide the body. And then he shows up in Elvis gear. Like a half and half Elvis gear. I was like, what the fuck is Darby doing? I love this. Then MJF intro is probably the coldest thing I've seen in a long time. And that is lights go out. And when it comes back on, he has spotlights on him as he's descending on a throne in the devil mask. And I'm like, this is a cold fucking intro. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, he's got bitches. I'm like, I feel bad for Jungle Boy because that man just like walked down to the ring. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I got nothing, guys. Darby had a video. MJF (laughs) had just the theatrics and Sammy had an announcement. Jungle Boy's just like coming out first. <laughs> like, um, he had nothing. This is what you would expect it to be in this match. It's instantly a 3v1 against MJF because these three guys mm-hmm. fucking hate his guts. And it's so funny to just see them letting each other take hits at times and just beating the shit out of MJF for probably the first 10 minutes of this match. Correct. Uh, there was a. I think it was a suplex spot or something where you hear MJF audibly yell, what the fuck, as he's being, like, thrown across the ring. More people need to do uh-huh. that. Not, MJF, maybe not to that extreme, but, like... MJF's expressions and his, like, yelling in this match were just top-notch. It was so funny. He um, knows how to get the desired reaction that he wants to get. Yeah, just some moments in this match that I liked. Uh, Darby doing his usual suicide dive. But then Sammy Guevara catching it into a cutter was just like a really smooth move between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you had multiple segments of them just hitting each other. It's like MJF would slap Darby and then Darby would punch Sammy and then Sammy would punch Jungle Boy. And then they had like one segment where it was all submissions. They, they all, were all on the ground. Like they all held each, each other in submissions. They had the trades where they each hit their mentors finishers on each other which is cool and i mean mjf crossroads i made the note here how does mjf look like he does the best crossroads in the business he does one better than dustin at least yeah uh guevara hit the lion tamer alan hit the scorpion deathlock yeah uh he then put him into a walls of jericho later in the match uh jungle boy hit a kill switch yeah and it was just like that's cool like bringing it back all that history Oh, I think we. Hmm. Uh oh. Did we lose X? I think we lost Sharky. Hello. Uh, hello. Sharky. There we go. I thought we lost X for a second. Like you guys were frozen on my screen. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, yeah. You kind of locked up it for a you. second. It was you, homie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Internet sucks. Um. Four way submission. Four way submission hold. Everybody gets a Canadian destroyer. <laughs> that was another. Uh, spot here. This, this is a very PWG esque match. I watched it between so. them two. This was, I, was the fun. most indie indie match I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, indie as hell indie match. Um, and like when uh, the indie when you watch an indie match, an indie match, and you see like I guess the elite, for example, and where they're just throwing super kicks haphazardly, like. That doesn't have to be the indie style. The indie style can just be like these weird pinning combinations, these weird submission combinations. Yeah. And like uh, the 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 weird thing that would happen when like MJF goes to pin Darby Allen, 
kicks out and then goes to pin jungle boy kicks out and then goes yeah. to pin sammy kicks out there's a and bunch of different sammy pin attempts kick, yeah 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 these guys like if this is stuff they they did on the indies this was just great like these guys have great chemistry i wouldn't say this match made them all look like they're on mjf's level as a main eventer but it definitely made them upper tier mid carters at least after this match it these, definitely moved them up a little bit these guys proved the that they can go when the match requires them to uh there was a really funny moment of mjf challenging the three of them and they're hitting him and then he just eye pokes all three of them yeah yeah and I was and like, what all, is like, this some... Three Stooges bullshit? <laughs> like, yeah, he, he outpokes them all, and then he turns around and just all of them just nail him with super kicks. They and all hit like a triple shit. super kick on him. Yeah. Uh, there was an awesome bomb from MJF, which was really cool to see. I think uh, Chris Canyon, that was Chris Canyon's move. Uh, awesome bomb was Mike Awesome. Mike Awesome, yeah. just And it looked like he fucked up his hand, but that didn't really come into effect in the rest of the... Uh, match and then MJF's facial expressions I noticed in this match too especially when he pulls out the ring the man's looking like unhinged <laughs> like he's like I'm gonna punch guy and I'm gonna look crazy while doing it and then he gets hit in the back of the head with a skateboard <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love that like the, the potential gif of he's like they're like and they just whack it reminds me of the Finn Balor in the corner like about to do the yes. drop kick and then Keith Lee's just like <laughs> merges up like next to him yeah it's really good. Uh, what sets up the finish to this match is Jungle Boy having the moral dilemma of do I nail Darby with this belt for the pin? He decides not to. It goes back and forth for a bit. MJF throws the belt onto Jungle Boy as Darby goes for a coffin drop. He then throws Jungle Boy out of the... He then moves Jungle Boy out of the way and pins Darby to retain the title. It's important to note that he pins him with Darby's move that Darby used when he feuded with MJF. Yeah. With the, with the headlock takeover pin. It was a good finish to this match. Because you just seem to have like lay the belt on Jungle Boy and then you see it just hit and you can tell like Darby's done. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like pin him with his own pinning move. That's good. And I'm like MJF's so good. And these guys, he everybody in this match has made everybody else look so good. And it's good. I just like I said, the the anarchy in the arena just blows it away for me. We're going into the anarchy in the arena right now. And I typed this to you guys in Discord last night. I love bar fight the stipulation. <laughs> I just <laughs> have one note for this match and this chaos. Yeah. yeah. I didn't uh, even bother going into any spots or anything because I was like there's way too many fucking I wrote a few down here. that I liked but the first note that I made here on my little note sheet is this is not a match to be judged just highlighted like <laughs> uh, the fact that Rick Knox is busted open early in this match it's like another ref getting hurt in a match which is a different thing than most people will do I mean you had Aubrey nailed with the guitar earlier, and now you have Rick Knox busted open. And I'm not quite sure how that happened either. I, I, maybe I missed it. I'm not quite sure how, but I just, just heard Tony. There was a lot Tony of camera cuts. Like, Rick, Rick Knox, the ref is busted open. I'm like, what the hell? And I think Cesaro was like walking him away to like put him into the corner so he could get medical attention because they had yeah. like multiple refs out in the ring. Good guy, Cesaro. Uh, Cesaro in the jacket saying Swiss was pretty Classic funny Gilly. to me. 
with the big uh, uh the big cross on the back of I, it. I like I liked that they all had the they all had the same like jacket. They had matching for, jackets. Uh, except they for were a club. Yeah, Danielson and just came out looking like a fucking madman. And then on top of that, you know, there was like they then had this band that they all that play on played them. They played Violent the Idols. Kids, you know, Violent Idols, uh, Idols kept playing for like the first ten minutes of this match. They just kept the, playing. The Young Bucks super kicked him to kill the music. Yeah. It was amazing. It was such was a. Like, it was such a good. It was such a good little like nugget to throw in there. Just a good little moment. Because I think they took into account it's like people didn't like the music being played the whole time. Well, from the last anarchy in the arena. So they're like, okay, we'll play on that. We'll stop the music. <laughs> like, I I did like the music going though because I like I like the I like the the live the, show like added the live to it. show. Yeah, it feels like a, it just feels like you're at a punk show and like people are beating the shit out of it each other. It feels like you're in a bar and it's like musicians' night, and yeah. some guys just start fucking each other up in the parking lot. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Which, that was a, I thought that was a really cool spot. We got to the parking lot fight because Nick Jackson gets a pile driver into the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> after good. he got after he got um Claudio swung in the middle of the concession. Yeah, and he had a trash can. <laughs> a trash can at the end, yeah. Um, I, I, I when I was looking at that, I was like, oh, he's gonna fucking hit that trash can, isn't he? And then yeah, he is. Yeah, this match was nuts. Uh, Matt Jackson, uh-huh. or it was Nick that took the pile driver, I think, because Matt Jackson yep. was the one suplexing Yuta Wheeler all the way down the ramp with yep. the rolling suplexes that he does. Not uh, oh, uh, uh, the other still the spot that was memorable for me was the exploding fucking super kick. Yeah, I will get to that. Uh, that is definitely <laughs> one that is coming up. Uh, I made a note here. I love Yuta being this like punk ass little heel with like his yeah. big brothers around. It's like, he's definitely, like, the slimy, like, littlest heel of the group. And I think the comparison I saw was, like, everybody compared them to, like, aggressive, like, just dog breeds, and then you have, like, a chihuahua that's just you to wheeler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, yep. Yeah, just... There was a segment it's... where Danielson was pulling something off of Justin Roberts, and I instantly thought, he's choking him oh, again. He's gonna choke him. He's getting there. I was like, yo, they're about to have so many callbacks in this match. I thought he really was gonna I, choke Justin. I was like, oh my <laughs> god, they're gonna choke Justin Roberts again. <laughs> but no, he it like took a... He yeah, he took like the tie or the belt or something from him and just like started using it as a weapon. I, um, I want to see uh, a growing segment of just like Brian Danielson just like next to Justin Roberts and just like gives him the eye and Justin Roberts just like backs off. Yeah. Uh then we get to the exploding super kick, which I think is what they had to, Yeah, they put Nick Jackson out in the pickup truck and then Cesaro made his way back into the ring. And probably during that whole time, Nick's probably getting it set up to do whatever it did. And, and the whole thing when that happened, I was like, oh, so wait a minute. So now the Young Bucks are introducing hitboxes into professional wrestling. <laughs> so he's either that or, oh, this is an exploding super kick. Okay, cool. Super, sen- so super Sentai moment. I've been watching the GIF because I want to know how he did it. And from what it looks like, I think the trigger is the, the thigh slap. Because it doesn't look like the sparks come out of the shoe. It looks like they come out from along the side of his leg. I know, and I think he tried to do that to Wheeler Yuta, but I, it, I guess it just wouldn't work because he kicked him three times. And, like, the third time, the third super kick he did to Wheeler Yuta looked awkward, like he was trying to activate the thing again, and, he, and it just didn't go off. Yeah, so I think they probably had something rigged that when he did the slap, it, like, hit a switch or something, and then, like, triggered whatever explosion was supposed to 
come up. I can only imagine he probably had like something protective under his leg because I can imagine yeah. that it probably would have burned if it was like a firework or something going off. Like hard plastic or something. Yeah. yeah. It was a great spot. I love it my was. I love it my was. wrestling with a little bit of video game. I, I love <laughs> I love the like Street Fighter moment. And then we, some neat hitboxes sometimes. Then we got into like full like deathmatch territory where then it's like, oh, let's take the shoe off and throw his foot down onto thumbtacks. And that was that, that was, was brutal looking. They then just brutal. they presented the they proceed to use these thumbtacks to fuck up Nick's Nick Jackson. Yep. <laughs> in his mouth, on his foot. Uh, the mouth spot looked brutal. The mouth spot did look brutal. Um, oh my god! I put a note here. This match fucks <laughs> because it did. <laughs> Correct. Uh, there was a really cool transition near the end of the dead eye into the one winged angel, mm-hmm. which was a really cool spot. And then he's back. Kanosuke shows up, lays out Omega, and Wheeler Yuta gets the pin. <laughs> Wheeler Yuta pinning Kenny Omega. Omega. I, when, when I tell you, I fucking popped. <laughs> Wheeler Yuta was my guy. No one else fucking believed me. <laughs> There's a moment in this. I think this just shows like Moxley's dedication to this fucking sport. After the exploding super kick, he does like, I pass out and roll out of the ring. The man rolls over the thumbtack pile. Yeah. Like, yep. I mean, like, he's, done death, he's Moxley, done death match before. He's, he's, he's fine. Probably can't even feel it right now. Uh, I also made a note here, uh, Kanosuke as a heel is going to fuck hard. <laughs> here's, another, here's the thing, though, because see, I noticed that there was something. I noticed there was something. You noticed up. the cameraman. Yeah. I noticed the I'll, cameraman like back during the Jericho Adam Cole match. Though, I yeah. noticed that, too. There was a single was shot like, in the Adam match. Cole Jericho thing where I noticed a very disguised well, up cameraman and I'm like, cameraman. I'm like this is weird looking and I'm like you didn't have to do it the whole night right like you could have just called like a very cameraman good. back like between matches and then had Takashita come out like it'd be like oh he's back okay but no they're yeah, like I'll, you're I'll, gonna be out here all night acting like a cameraman he actually doing really good camera work on top of that the problem you with know. it is that if you if you swap people out like that then like crowd's gonna know something up for the live for the live performance uh the crowd's gonna know something and they'll immediately tweet it out yeah uh and if they get a really close-up shot of him they're like oh that's the catch the oh there goes the there goes the finish yeah kanosuke yeah. showing up to be the fifth man uh in this feud definitely feeling like it's it definitely probably setting up the kota abushi because the stuff that's been coming out after the program aired was Kenny saying uh, that he has two friends that aren't here that he could call and in? I, and shortly after that, Kota Ibushi, there, were, there, there was some article I read online where Kota Ibushi basically he said, said he, that I don't like, to, I don't like, I don't like Kenosuke. Kenosuke. So he's just an imitation yeah. of me. I'm like, here we go. I'm like, we're going to get the five v five, and if they do the five v five, I don't want it to just be blood and guts. I'm like, give me Stadium Stampede. Just give me these five guys going absolutely bullshittingly crazy <laughs> like just give me a full stadium where these guys can just beat the shit out of each other i want to see how moxley i want to see what moxley can do when he's given a golf cart like let's see what this match is going to be like hangman on a horse again <laughs> uh yeah. yeah this match was great i like i said it's really hard for me to decide between this one and the fatal four-way but yeah this match was definitely the most fun of the night mm-hmm. and I can appreciate that the elite 
are you know cool with taking the pinfall especially omega saying like yeah you can pin me you know i think stuff like that is really going to help this company in the years to come mm-hmm. it's definitely building up the younger guys you can be down the line i have a clean pinfall victory over kenny omega and be a little heel about it right. you know i uh, the thing i want because like, like <clears throat> there is no shot in hell with all the injuries kenny omega sustained in his like like two-year reign of terror there's no way he's a hundred percent no, uh, I I don't think he's on. I think like Will Osprey, he's probably not going to be able to wrestle at the same level he was. Like yeah. Will Osprey's come out and said, like I've had a lot of injuries and my body is just unable to take it anymore. Right. So I I, I don't think we're going to get the same level of Kenny Omega ever again. So I think while he's still hot at that level, yeah, getting pins from like Wheeler Yuta and like other up and coming stars is going to go a long way. Yeah. to yeah. establishing them. Because he's just basically going to be there at this point to kind of help the younger guys, like, get over. Like, maybe the Sammy Guevara's, the MJF's, the Yudas. Just trying to build I mean, up that next generation of AEW. We keep talking about their younger generation. Top Flight, Action Andretti, Sammy, Jungle Boy, Darby, Wheeler, Julia Hart, Anna Jay, Tay Conti. You know, like, they have the next generation of stars. And I'm excited for the for the con- for the prospect of like a SmackDown Six sort of situation with with the yes. AEW. I think that yeah. is something we have right now. We kind of have. I mean, it is it's the four pillars. Like you had the original four of Jericho, Hangman, Kenny, Moxley being the first four champions, and then you have these younger guys who are like, "Hey, we are going to be you know the four big names of the company in time." But oh, I can see what? Action and Dreading being no- added to that. I can see you know you know, being added to that. And I, th- I feel like Ricky Starks can be a staple in there somewhere, you know, yeah. but I think Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks you know, is still young. he's still young. He's like, he's in his early thirties, but still, you know, that dude has a butt ton of charisma and I think he's gaining a lot of momentum and yeah. pretty soon I can see him being the champion, you know, within the next year or so. Yeah. So I would throw him in there as well. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely going to feel like what the cruiserweight scene was for WCW. You're going to have all these established big guys. You know, you're going to have your Hogan's, your Kevin Nash's and stuff like that. But people are going to love watching, you know, the Wheeler Yudas, the Daniel Garcia's, the top flight, you know, action Andretti, like all these young guys. People are going to love watching them because like these guys are just in their prime right now. Yeah. You know, like these guys have years ahead of them. I don't know about Darby, though. I don't know how many years Darby might have left. Darby's got like. Darby's going to break down really fast. I am going to be impressed if Darby can just like, just take the abuse though. I can imagine him being somebody. It's like, I'm the new Mick Foley. (laughs) Like I can just be thrown off of things and get back up. (laughs) He's already doing that. Darby doesn't retire before 35. I'll be shocked. He's trying Uh, to climb. He's he's trying to climb Mount Everest next year. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. He's like, uh, I'm going to try to do that. He knows the dangers. He's writing up a fucking will before he does it. And I'm like, I swear to God, jump off the top and do a splat, do a coffee drop off the top. If we lose Darby to fucking Mount Everest and not wrestling, I'm gonna be pissed. (laughs) Like, I'm gonna be so pissed off. That's gonna be like a uh, yeah. Never mind. This is gonna be wild. Darby, I understand you want to be. I understand you want to, you know, do things and feel alive. But like, have you had like a Baja blast, man? 
Like, <laughs> go, go to therapy. Have you, have you gone out and like got in your favorite meal? Like, you can do these smaller things. You don't have to do these. Have big you touched things. grass lately? Have you touched grass lately, Darby? It's just yeah. So it's like God. I really hope Darby just Darby's sticks around. Darby's gonna die in Darby fashion. At least that's what he thinks in his mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. This <sighs> this wasn't one of the better double or nothings. It did have its weak weak points. Mm-hmm. But this was still, you know, a pretty. This was an AEW show, and it was enjoyable. It was a good show. Um, I do like. I like that. Uh, I like that the Jade Cargill like versus Taya Valkyrie match was felt. It did feel like a, st- a standard dynamite match because then you have uh, Chris Detlander come out, and then it it throws everything on its head. Yeah, and I thought I thought that was a good touch when they accepted the match. I was like, oh shit, that's why they made the Taya Valkyrie match so short. Now we're going to get the like fifteen minute, you know, Jade and Chris match. Nope. And it's like, no, you're yeah. gonna get like a two and a half minutes and then Chris Statlander is now your new champion. It's like, yeah, I fucking guess, Tony. Like <laughs> I'm with it. It's like, sure, man. I'm cool with it. Tony's like, fuck it, Chris is back. Let's put the belt on her and go out there. He's like, calling, he's like calling the ref and it's like, tell Jay there's another match coming. But yeah, I mean I enjoyed the show. And I think like I, it's like it's like I said, it's typical AEW fashion where like there's a really good opener. It goes. It kind of doles out a little bit, yeah, as, as you get through your mid card titles and stuff like that, and then. But I mean, I'm happy they started with the battle royale. I think they understand that Orange Cassidy's matches can get the crowd going. Yeah, like it's just one of those things. The guy just has a talent. Like, yeah. he's, he's very charismatic for being someone whose gimmick is I don't give, give a shit. Yeah, like the thing. It's like, how are you feeling, Orange Cassidy? I'm tired, Renee. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was the most relatable shit ever. And then Renee just like passes back. It's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, buddy. Me too. But yeah, um, overall, uh, this pay per view, yeah, this was exactly one of its weaker efforts. Um, I'm gonna say it was still a great, it was still a pretty good, enjoyable pay per view, except for especially those last two matches. Mm-hmm. They were just absolutely sure. out of this world. But yeah. um, you know, it just goes to show you AEW can't always put on like you know five star amazing bangers of pay-per-views because you do have to actually have slower stories too you can't just throw everything to the wind and And i think that's and i think that's where a lot of that just got you know they kind of sacrificed those you know dynamic matches for a little bit of story building because you know you know they're trying to build up new stuff for not only dynamite but collision as well so ultimately i was okay with this not Every match is going to be, or not every feud is going to be like a five star classic every time. Like, even the CM Punk feuds that he had were kind of mid in AEW. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think people are realizing, like, I think peak CM Punk was Ring of Honor. Like, he hasn't yeah. really been able to replicate that yeah, in, sure. in terms of in ring action for years. Yeah. Presentation wise. He's great, a great speaker. Like, he's in-ring. he is yeah. a good character, but like, yeah, his in ring is kind of weak. And I mean, we've made the joke. He's not even the best wrestler in his relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean that that it's like that goes to AJ Lee. Like she's strictly the better in ring performer. Mm-hmm. But I mean, nobody's going to beat CM Punk on the mic. I mean, everything with him and MJF, it's like MJF still felt outclassed, which was wild to think about for AEW. But yeah, I liked it. And I mean, hey, we have Forbidden Door, which is probably going to 
introduce Kota Ibushi, and then, hey, maybe we'll get the big elite BCC payoff match at All In. So... I think it'll. I think it'll be at Forbidden Door. I don't think they're gonna wait to to uh, all in. You don't think that yeah, match is gonna happen at their first over. England show? No, yeah. no, no one in that match is from England. It doesn't make sense. That's fair. Jamie Hader makes sense if they can get her cleared by by uh, yeah by all in by uh, uh, August twenty eighth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's when that pay per view is. So, but I don't think I don't think they really need to get like. <clears throat> have that match in england i mean yeah they could it'll be cool but they don't have to yeah the only thing that this paper that this pay-per-view missed was william ringo was shouting the stipulation of the match yeah i mean justin roberts still killed it uh yeah still killed it this show too like the guy's great mm-hmm. uh just one of the things like the announced team i think four man might be too many I think it needs to be Taz, Excalibur, Tony. I don't think you have to have anybody else. I think I, I think that in general about AEW though. I think when yeah, they like, too big of a commentary did, team, especially when they did Dark and Elevation, uh, yeah. when they would have like uh, Daddy Magic on on commentary uh, for some of the matches, I thought that was a little weird. Yeah. So I just think the I think they have good commentators, but they need to just pick the ones for the matches. Like you yeah. can have all of them still be there, but they all don't have to be there for the same match. Like put this, put match. this duo on this match, put this duo yeah. on this match, I'll put this trio on this match. One, it should be like a max of three commentators, and that's it. You yeah. know, and and I hate to say it, but you know, Jr. just needs less time on commentary. Yeah. Okay, so like I told you earlier, he's he's not the same as he was years ago, and you I guess the, it just seems like he's just going through motions at this point. He's been going through the motions since like Japan, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like I love Jr. He's you know the voice of my childhood, but like, man, yeah, it's really sad seeing him now. So they need to go find Mauro Ronaldo. They, I would pop. They, so hard. the thing is, Tony, you employ Nigel McGuinness. Like, right? Isn't he? Oh, yeah. While while we're still Isn't here, he in Ring of Honor? Uh, like, yeah, he's in Ring of Honor. Yeah, Nigel yeah, McGuinness on commentary. <laughs> like. Speaking of comment, uh, speaking of commentary, and speaking of Nigel McGuinness, and speaking of Brian Danielson, did you guys hear? Did you guys listen to the scrum? No, I didn't. Brian Danielson was on was on the scrum, and they asked him, "Hey, how, uh, you know, how do you feel about Nigel McGuinness coming out for one more match? And would you like that to be the match?" And he and he goes, and Brian Danielson goes, "I think Nigel McGuinness should shut his mouth because I've been wrestling this whole time and he hasn't. Yeah. So I'm going to outclass him." I want to point out too. End of this anarchy in the arena match. Everybody's bloody. Yeah. Everybody's bleeding. Danielson is covered in everybody's blood but his own. And I yeah, think that that's hard. I think that that's just fucking hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> like, the man is covered in everybody else's blood but not his own. He was the only one I think that didn't get busted open in that match. He didn't. <laughs> Somehow he just covered in everybody else's blood. I was blood. impressed to see Moxley bleeding about four minutes into the match, and I'm like, God damn it, Moxley! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't think I don't think they were finished fighting through the crowd and getting to the ring before Moxley started bleeding. <laughs> I was just like, bleeding him. He's like, like God damn it, Moxley! Ready. It's like, they're gonna do DraftKings with all this AEW stuff. That that should be an option. Like. Is At what point will Moxley start bleeding minutes. in this match? And I will put the uh, I will bet on five minutes each and every before time. five minutes after five minutes <laughs> before five minutes every each time. and every single time because that's what he does. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got nothing else to talk about. I enjoyed yeah, the show. It was, it was, yeah, it was an enjoy- I was sufficiently sports entertained. Yeah, overall, this was a great show. Honestly, this was a great weekend of professional wrestling overall. When I you was know. doing the production for the thing, we had uh, Night of Champions on one of the monitors. And at the end of at the end of that match, we did point out we did say to each other in the thing, it's like I have been significantly sports entertained. Oh, very so. good. You guys were watching uh for context, Sharky did uh Yeah, I worked on uh the, the Arena tournament. Yeah, I worked on the Arena Three Championship over the weekend. Uh that was fun. Uh so the thing that the only match we saw for Night of Champions, which I guess if we want to talk about that for five minutes, was the conclusion of the Solo Roman versus KO Sammy match where they pulled the rug out from under us and Jimmy turned on Roman, not Jay. Let's go. Which I was kind of hyped about because he was telling was Jay, it's like, shit about it's that. like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago. And then he hit Roman with a second super kick. And Roman just rolls out of the ring casually. I'm like, this is what they should like. We're finally getting Jimmy involved in this now. Yeah. You know, because like Jimmy has just kind of been like the cool laid back background background character for all of this. And finally, you know, he's coming into his own and then pulling him in it. What's great about it is during the whole like tirade that he was yelling at Jay, he said, it's like we're it's like we're not day one anymore. It's like it's about me. And that's when Jimmy super kicked him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like. Fuck yes, man. This is a good twist on this. He's famous yelling at Jay, I'm your brother, he's not. You know, it's me and you now. The I think uh because remember Jay Uso feuded with Roman and they brought they brought an injured Jimmy Uso in to like throw the towel in on one of those matches. Yeah. Right. So I'm that was a really good uh a really good good moment for me. I got hyped seeing Mm -hmm. Jimmy be the one to hit Roman. And then it's like, it wasn't just like an emotional thing where he hit him. It's like he was on his knees and then he's like, I'm doing what you should have done. And then he hit him with a second one. And I'm like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> it's it's I'm like, it, it's, it's done. Like it's imploded. The bloodline's imploded. Like, yeah, Jimmy has had this brewing for years now, for the last two years. Now, he hasn't forgotten a single thing. But he's just been tolerating this shit for two years. And he finally has boiled over. So that was cool. I mean, there were some moments, uh, there were some moments at Night of Champions that, you know, I wish we could talk about, but I'm not going to watch the Saudi Arabia shows. Yep. Yeah. Uh, congrats to Asuka for winning the title. It's finally her time. Again. I, I, I mean, they did let Bianca get the historic reign, I think, of like 400 days. Yeah. Something she had like a that. Really so she had a really good run. Uh, I'm excited to see where Asuka takes this title now. I feel like she's probably in her last few years, uh, at least with WWE, maybe not wrestling, but I feel like she's not going to stick around for W for too much longer. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. So that's, that's what I got. That's what I got too. So. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, yes. If if you have it, if you have Peacock, go watch NXT Battleground. Well, especially the match between Ilya Dragunov and Dijak. They had they a kill each other. Hell of like beat the shit out of each other. They beat the hell out of each other. Yep. Go watch it. It's probably the match that stole the show on Battleground. Mm-hmm. And that's all I got. All right. All right. Well. Thank you all for joining us on episode five here of Square Triangle. This was the Double or Nothing 2023 episode. And we'll see you guys for the Forbidden Door episode. Is there, is there WWE pay-per-view before that? Is there there's probably WWE pay-per-view before that? Probably money in the bank. Money in the oh bank. yeah. Money in the bank. We'll see you for what we'll matches. see you for insert company's pay-per-view here. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> Later, guys. Later, Later. everybody. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Square Triangle. Find us wherever you get your podcasts under the Without Context Podcast. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at WC Network.